Kia ora and welcome to the Stronger Dads Collective podcast, where we aim to help dads be stronger versions of themselves as fathers, people, and in their athletic pursuits. Let's get into today's episode. Kia ora and welcome to episode 27 of the Stronger Dads Collective podcast. This week I am going to do a little bit of a debrief of the recent half marathon that I did. So that was about a week and a half ago now, so by the time this comes out, basically two weeks ago. Um, that I ran that one, that was the Wellington Half Marathon. So we'll go through a little bit of that. Uh, And then I had a question a little while back around time management, and I thought I'd just cover that at the end of this bit of a debrief around the half and my my next intentions on that, because I figure it's good to share this stuff with you guys, because it means that it holds me accountable to actually putting in the work and doing what I said I was going to do. So I'm going to use you guys as an accountability partner for this uh, and feel free to follow along on Instagram in terms of some of that journey because I will share a little bit of some of that training I'm doing on there as we go. So probably where we should start is prior to prior to this race, prior to the Wellington Half Marathon. Basically the build-up was pretty solid. Um, I had probably logged my highest average mileage. It was pretty similar to what I had done leading up to the last half in terms of that overall kilometers was sitting around about 40 hours a week uh, generally or thereabouts um, of of that running and I'd done some key sessions that essentially showed that I was in better shape um, than I than I was prior to that previous one so going in in my headspace I was feeling pretty confident I was feeling pretty good I felt like I was gonna have a pretty good outcome and also that day that the race was on it was it was a beautiful day um you don't really get a better day than that in wellington um for anyone who is not from new zealand you probably don't even know what i'm talking about but wellington is known as windy wellington and so it's one of those places where you expect there to be a bit of a breeze and there's been recent um half marathons and marathons that they've had there where essentially it's been bucketing down raining freezing cold windy all of that kind of carry on um so coming into this event it was one of those ones where you weren't too sure what you were going to get um and that was kind of on my mind before but the week leading up it all looked like it was going to be good and yeah the morning of the half was probably one of the better mornings that I've ever had in Wellington it was beautiful day hardly any wind whatsoever um pretty cloudy so there wasn't a whole lot of sun um or wasn't intense sun anyway and yeah it was a really really good day for a half marathon so I could not complain about that nice mild temperatures all of that kind of stuff um, everything went well in the in the sort of before that event um, there was no dramas and that training of the week leading up everything was looking solid and I was feeling pretty good so when I started that race essentially um, we can break down break down how that went for me but basically at the start of the race as it is you know you never really know what the first k is going to be so you sort of try try hold back a bit because when you take off for those of you who haven't done um, any sort of road races with you know at these bigger events or events with lots of people around um, it's quite cramped up there's not a lot of space so you don't have that much control over um, your ability to speed up or go fast at the start which is kind of good because it normally or for me at least it slowed me down um, at the start there and my goal, as you'll be aware, was a 1.45 half, so 1 hour 45 for the half. And that basically means you need to hit essentially bang on um, 5 minute Ks or just under 5 minute Ks. So 
the start of that race was good. I went out at a, I think I've got the stats here. I'll, I'll read through some of that. So first K went through in um, 5.03. So that was pretty good considering you cramped up and you don't have a whole lot of control over being able to have open space in front of you or anything like that. So pretty much bang on to start with. Um, and then after that, things had started to clear a little bit. Kind of after that first K, there was a bit of space. Um, you you had, well, there was more space anyway. There was still a lot of people around, but essentially the, that crowd had kind of thinned out. You know, the people had gone ahead and people had fallen back and there was just a bit more room to sort of move at the pace that you wanted to move at. So the challenge for me here, and this is always my challenge with the halves, is trying not to go out too hot. And in my head, I felt like, you know, going just under those five minute Ks to start would be would be the go basically. Um, and that was basically what happened for the first, well, 14 Ks I can see here. Every one of those first 14, aside from kilometer number one, um, was under five minutes. So what, I'll just quickly read through some of those. So for instance, kilometer two, 453, three, 452, four, 452. And it pretty much stayed there all the way through, you know, that sort of 450s, mid 450s, which in my head was good, right? And I was, at this stage, I was physically having to like slow myself down. I wanted to go faster um, and I had to slow myself down. So in my mind at this point, I was doing well um, because I felt good and I was actually having to physically, you know, slow myself down and, and look at my watch and make sure that I was at, wasn't actually going too fast. Now, I'm not sure whether perhaps I, I still went a little bit too fast um, or whether it was my preparation or what, but basically I think I probably got to about 13 Ks and I remember seeing the sign on the edge of the road saying, you know, 8 Ks to go, 7 Ks to go. And in my head, I'm like, geez, that's that's quite a long way still to go. Am I going to be able to make it sustaining this pace? And I started to drop back on Ks um, 13 and 14. It was, you know, 458s um, there. And then 15, 501, 16, 508. So you can kind of see the slow death. And in my head, I'm thinking, damn, I really need to make sure that I'm staying around this 510 and I can't. I can't sustain this pace very well. Um, and essentially around that sort of 16, 17 K mark, um, I hit a bit of a wall and I started to have those mental battles. And I knew this was going to happen because at both of my recent two half marathons, it's pretty much been almost that exact same point, you know, from, from 15 or 16 Ks, things have got really, really challenging for me. And, um, I was prepared for it. I thought it was going to happen, but I guess I felt so good for probably that first 12 or so Ks um, that it almost caught me a little bit off guard because I thought, oh, you know, if I have to slow down from four, mid 450s to 505, that shouldn't be a problem. But as soon as I fell beyond that five, my, like, I just felt it. I was, I was tired, man. Um, and so you'll see what happened to my pace after that 15. I said that was where it first dropped below five and it went to a 501. That's per kilometer for those of you who aren't from uh, or who don't use a metric system. Um, 501, 16 went 508, 17, 530, 517, 518, 546 on the 20th, um, and then 457 for that last little push home. But my goodness, um, I hit a wall and there were a couple of short walks. I tried to be very disciplined on those walks and, you know, I only walk for 30 seconds or one minute, but I just had nothing. Um, and kind of case in point, I remember there was a there was a 145 pacer and probably with a K and a half to go, this pacer shot past me and I thought, man, like I should chase him. But there was just, there was just nothing. There was no gas in the tank. Um, and with these things, you never know if it was just a bit of mental weakness and maybe I could have grounded out and got there. Um, 
but I didn't. <laughs> I took that option of a couple of a couple of short walking breaks and thought, hey, will that will allow me to go faster afterwards and maybe I'll be able to get there, but it, it did not happen. So the final time was a 146.09, which I know sounds tantalizingly close to that 145. Um, but there are some lessons that I think that I have learned um, from this race and some things that I think I will take away and apply to my training um, to try and help me get a little bit better, um, especially towards the later end of the race, because the pace doesn't feel like a problem, you know, and I know I know that it potentially is still, I went out a bit too quick and I should be sticking closer to the fives and trying a negative split, but mentally I don't have that confidence in that at the moment because I've had these bad results at the end, but potentially I'm, I'm you know, shooting myself on the foot with that strategy. So what am I going to do to address this, to cut off this one minute? Um, and, and as a little bit of a life update, I have entered the Hawke's Bay Half Marathon, which is about seven weeks away, I think it is, um, quite close to this one. I'm, I'm well aware of that, but not too long after that, a couple of months later, we have baby number two due. And so for me, I was like, well, I'm either going to do one of two things before that. I'm either going to run a full marathon um, and put in the hours of work that it's required before I know that my life and my priorities are going to change significantly um, <laughs> later this year when baby comes. So I I went back and forth in my head. Should I should I go for that full or should I go for the half? And I've decided that I'm going to, instead of doing the full at that Hawks Bay, I'm going to do the half marathon because I really want to take this 145 off um, while I'm still in this decent shape. And while I know that there's a few sort of simple fix um, things that I can do um, the benefit of the Hawks Bay half much like the Wellington one it's it's pretty much a flat course um, there's no real drama there um, the only thing like anywhere in New Zealand is that you could get a windy day which could throw a spanner in the works but you won't know that till closer too so you just put in the mahi and then we'll see we'll see where we end up um, but that's my little bit of a review of that race itself and of the fact that I died a I died a death from about 17 k's on things just didn't didn't go so well um but it gives me, it gave me some thoughts and I was sort of pondering over the last couple of weeks, how can I attack this next piece of training? And for me, I know that mentally I have to know that I can finish strong. I have to know that I can hold on to a pace when I get near the end of the race. And there's two things that I think are going to have the biggest impact on that. The first is having some longer long runs. So in this most recent um, training block and most of the ones before that, I may have ran, you know, an hour 45-ish. Um, in terms of total time on my feet a couple of times but I didn't I haven't gone longer than that I've been sort of those longer long runs with the slower paces might be 18 k's or so is about the highest that I've got on those peak long runs so that's changing <laughs> so I'm going to make my my long runs a little bit longer um, both in terms of distance so greater than that 18 k's as well as in terms of um, the time on my feet so I want to spend you know do it do at least a few runs before this next event where I'm spending a longer time on my feet than I will on the event day so I'm planning on about a one you know planning on breaking that 145 so that means that I need to be you know I'm going to be spending more than an hour 45 on my feet you know upwards of two hours some of those slower run days so that's the first thing the second thing with some of those long run days is building in progression runs and I did my first one of these today and it was actually a 19k so it was you know longer than basically the longest of my previous build-up runs I have had an easy week in between. Um, I haven't just jumped straight back into full training mode that week after. Just just so you're aware, I, I you know I always talk about increasing your training load um, and not doing that too rapidly. So I, I'm I'm following my own advice. I, I did have that week of a bit of recovery with just easier runs, and now I'm back. 
um, back into some proper training so that, as we said, we can fit it in before um, I kind of have to change my priorities a little bit. So that's the first two things. And by progression runs, for those of you who aren't aware, essentially normally, well, normally when I do long runs, the majority of those will just be at an easy sort of zone two pace. So, you know, somewhere between 5.45 and 6.15 minutes per K or something like that for me. Um, that's slow enough that I could hold a conversation. It's all that sort of stuff, right? That's that's my typical long run pace or easy run pace, trying to be around that six minute case. And, you know, on my long runs, I'll do mainly those and I'll chuck in some intervals sometimes with like a half marathon pace type effort. So instead of doing those as intervals with that sort of pace, I might still do a little bit of that with some pace work, um, but I'm going to focus a bit more on the lactate threshold paces, which are a little bit faster than my half marathon pace. Um, and I'm going to be doing those in a progression run type fashion. So that means like today's one, for instance, as an example, um, that was a 19k run. The first nine kilometers were basically at a slow, easy pace for me. And then the next 10 um, was divided into two different 5k um, blocks so the first of those was a bit faster so targeting around about a 530 you know 520 to 530 pace um, for that 5ks before finishing with around about a you know 450 ish to um, five minute pace or thereabouts you know that lactate threshold type pace for me so a little bit faster than what I would plan on running to break a 145 um, for the last 5ks and honestly felt really good today I was quite surprised I thought I was going to hit a, a pretty big wall um, in that last 5ks because I haven't ran that fast at 19ks in on any run regardless of whether I you know have have gone faster at the start or not so that was that's just something in my mind that I'm thinking right longer long runs there's more time on my feet these progression runs where I'm actually having to go faster at the end you know on tired legs as they say and then the other piece um, that I'm doing is just my weekly mileage so typically I've done sort of maybe between two and three runs that might be above eight to ten kilometers um, I'm wanting to pick that up so basically all bar one of my five runs during the week are double figures basically or, or close to double figures so that long run obviously is going to be longer but then I'm trying to just increase those other easy runs during the week to be a bit longer too so hopefully increasing that total mileage um, those longer long runs and some progression runs will get me more time on my feet it'll get me confidence towards the end of the race um, and hopefully I can go into that Hawks Bay one in about seven weeks and smash that 145 that's that's the plan that's what we're looking to do so all going well with the training over the next six weeks uh that's the plan. That's where we're going with that. Um, I'll be lifting only twice per week. So one day we'll just have a bit of bench and a little bit of upper body and some back. And then the other day will be my sort of full body day focused around the deadlift. So I'm going to keep doing that, um, keep some strength training in there, but I'm I'm going to really put a bit of focus or more focus onto this running and not try and squeeze, you know, three, two or three sessions per week of strength. It'll normally be two um, and sometimes probably only one if, I've, if I have a harder week of training, but still hitting that full body and making sure I'm getting that all in. Um, obviously still in the future, there will be that one, four, five going for it at some stage, um, but we might have to have to delay that one a little bit for now because I really want to hit this just running piece, get the confidence, and then know that I can try and build that bench just over the next wee while, and, and eventually we'll get there. So that's the Wellington half. Um, that's my plan going forward with the Hawks Bay Marathon as the goal, and the Hawks Bay Marathon I think is the 25th or 26th of August, so um, yeah, around about seven weeks away. So that should be good. I'm looking forward to that. Now the second piece I had um, put a post up on Instagram a few weeks back, that asked for some questions that people might have about things that I 
you know, that they might want to hear about and hear from me. So one of those that came in was basically asking, how do you manage your time with all the different things that you have going on? Um, so I work a full-time job. I'm obviously trying to train, be a good dad. Um, there's a bunch of stuff, right? And then there's my coaching, which I've recently restarted. So it's a good question. Um, and it's something that I definitely do not think that I am an expert on by any means. But I think the keys for me with this really, I'd say I'd say there's three of them. Uh, the first part is really having prioritization, knowing what are the things that are important to me. Um, you know, what are the things that I value the most? And obviously, I, I want to make sure that what I'm doing in terms of my time allocation is showing that I'm prioritizing what I say in my head or what my head tells me that I'm prioritizing, right? So there's my family, there's my work, um, friends, and fitness, right? That's sort of the, the way that it would go, I guess, um, in my head, you know, is that those, those are probably the big things, right? Is I want to be able to prioritize time with my family. Um, I have to prioritize work, obviously, to be able to earn money to, to, to look after the family and, and pay the bills, obviously, pay the mortgage um, or help contribute to that. Obviously, my wife is, uh, well, not obviously, but my wife is also working um, too. And so we do have that dual income, although she has reduced hours at the moment because we want her to be able to spend some time with Harvey. So that obviously means I have to work. I'm going to have to prioritize my work if I am to be contributing with that financial piece there. Um, so prioritization is the first thing. The second thing is communication. Um, which kind of goes hand in hand as well with making time in terms of planning. So those are the three things, right? Prioritization, communication, and making time by planning. And this is basically when I when I think of this, right, I, I have to plan in terms of like training. Let's focus on the training aspect because I think that's probably what most people are going to be thinking about. Um, if I want to fit my training in, there's going to be certain times and certain windows in the day where that's possible. So I don't want that to interfere with the already limited time I have outside of work um, to hang out with Harvey. So generally, and not every, you know, this isn't always true, but most of the time I will try and exercise and put my training sessions at times when Harvey, um, you know, when, when I, when it's not going to interfere with me spending time with Harvey, basically. Um, so typically during the weeks, that's going to try and be things like mornings, uh, might try and be when he's in bed. I try not to do that because I want to spend that time with Sash. Uh, but then other times it will be prioritizing it around a, a day where there's a bit more time in the day. So, you know, a Saturday or a Sunday, they're probably going to be my longer sessions uh, in general because it just means that you've got the rest of the day to be able to spend um, with the family. So that's kind of how I prioritize my training is during the weeks, tends to be morning sessions uh, or shorter sessions as well. So it doesn't interfere with the time that I have available outside of work for family. And then the other part with that, obviously, is the communication piece and my wife probably gets a little bit frustrated with me because she thinks that you know all I'm all I'm talking about is when I want to train but for me that's trying to ensure that I'm training at times that are convenient for the family and checking with Sash that that's good and you know making sure that that's okay so I think communication's really important I don't always get that right um, 100% don't always get that right sometimes I'll be like oh I'm going on a long run it's like well I didn't know you're doing that um, but I try and have as much of a routine with that as well as possible, because if you have a routine and there's standard times you're doing things, it becomes just part of what you do, right? Um, you know, Sash expects me to go for a run on a Sunday morning most weeks. Sash expects me to go to the gym on a Saturday most weeks. So it's nothing out of the ordinary, right? It's something that we normally fit in around what we do. So that communication and that routine is a really important piece of that time management. Um, but you have to have prioritized first, right? Um, because there's going to be things that you have to put 
to the side in order to fit this stuff in. It's not like you can have your training and spend as long as you might want to in front of the TV or those sorts of things. You have to kind of shuffle things around um, to make it work. And again, that's something that I definitely do not always get right. But it is something I try um, to do is make sure that the things that I'm saying are priority, that I'm actually putting them as priorities and getting them done um, before I have that other other time I'm by no means a super disciplined person that always gets out of bed at a certain time in the morning that's that's not me um, I'd like to be better at that but sometimes that's not possible because of Harvey waking or whatever it might be um, getting a puppy that's probably not a not something I'd recommend if you want to be able to uh, <laughs> keep yourself having some relaxing times because puppies take a bit of attention and that's been that's been interesting for the mix but we wanted to get that before baby number two came so um, that's that's just a recent challenge we have and another another thing to add into the mix I guess um but yeah, then the last, the, that other bit really is like, it is making time. You can't just expect that, you know, you're going to fit in your training because you say you want to. Um, you actually have to make an effort, whether that's setting the alarm earlier, going to bed earlier the night before, um, making it happen basically is what you have to do. And I guess that's part of that's part of that prioritization piece as well, right? Um, the most important things you need to put a sort of put in your day first. There's things that can't be changed, like work. You know, they happen at certain times a day, or at least for me, they tend to. Um, so I have to firstly work around that. Um, then there's you know when is Harvey at home? When does Harvey need me? Prioritizing that, and then trying to put the training outside of that. And that's kind of how I tend to break down my days and my weeks and that sort of stuff is putting those things in where they are appropriate or where I can um, and then sticking to it that's probably the harder piece right is if you're going to get up early for a run you have to get out of bed and early and go for the run because if you don't get out of bed and do that training well guess what the rest of the day there's probably not going to be the time and you're probably going to miss that session and I think I spoke about that recently on the podcast but it's something just to mention again is that when you've planned to get something in if that shifts and that doesn't happen chances are you're going to miss that or you're going to have to push that to a different day because the rest of your day is already filled with the things that you have prioritized into those positions. So just something to be aware of. That's the challenge, right, is you can have everything planned out really well. Sometimes spanners will hit and you just have to adapt. So whilst I've talked here about being disciplined and having times and communication and prioritizing things, sometimes life happens and you just have to adapt and you have to skip a session, move a session, whatever it is, and you kind of have to learn to deal with that. Um, There's probably a time earlier in my life where training was a higher priority to me and that it would take precedence um but that was before i had you know <laughs> had family in that right i could i could put that at a higher place but for now i don't want to right and that's probably the key here right my priorities aren't forced upon me i am choosing um that i want to try and put my family first and i'm endeavoring to be able to do that so um whether i do or not <laughs> i guess that's a question for sash but from my perspective um that's kind of how I try and arrange these things. And I apologize if that was a little bit of a ramble, but it's kind of, I had I had a few notes and I had um, some stuff to go off, but also there's always a bit of um, rambling with that. So that is my little piece about time management. Um, thanks for the question on Instagram. And yeah, if you want to follow along with what's happening in terms of my training, um, you can also feel free to jump onto Strava and follow me on there. I think my name's just Hayden Pritchard. So look for me on there. Um, and I'll be keeping obviously a few of those key sessions posted and uploaded onto Instagram. All the general easy runs, you're probably not going to see anything about that, but you might see some of the more fun ones. But don't be fooled into thinking that's all that I do. The majority of my runs um, and the majority of the time I spend running is in that easy zone. So yeah. Anyway, team, that is what I have for you today. Um, I hope that that was insightful. I'm not sure if it was, but it's kind of 
you know, <laughs> I wanted to do a solo one today and debrief on what happened with the with the half, and then also kind of chat about some of those plans. So um, I hope that was interesting, and I hope that you'll follow along, and I hope that you help to hold me accountable for hitting that 145 in Hawke's Bay, because it's about time that I knocked that guy off. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Stronger Dads Collective podcast. If you gained anything of value, please go ahead and share this episode with someone else that you think may benefit from its content. Also, feel free to follow me on Instagram at HJP underscore Stronger Dads. That's at HJP underscore Stronger Dads. We'll see you on the next one.